Well, it's a challenge to figure out, and totally understandably, how in the world Virginia and JMU is going to unfold this coming Saturday um, just because of everything surrounding this matchup. For JMU, they've been looking forward to this game for quite some time. Uh, They've had it circled. I heard that nugget on the Cavs Corner podcast uh, earlier today. It dropped, and uh, it makes a lot of sense because they got a chance to play uh, a fellow Virginia school, one in a uh, Power 5 conference. But then there's also the human side of it, obviously, with Lavelle Davis Jr., Devin Chandler, and Deshaun Perry and their lives being honored in the ceremonies for the first home game for UVA since the tragic shooting last year. Um, I'll go ahead and tip my hand for our votes of confidence tomorrow. It's a total stay away. Have no real idea what to expect at all from this game, and it's such a unique situation, whereas last week you knew just Tennessee, the physical overwhelming part of the matchup was different. This week, I could see it going so many different directions. So, for clarity on that, for a lot of perspective as well on this matchup too, Brad Franklin, editor and publisher of CavsCorner.com and a friend of ours, back with us once again here in the fast lane. Brad, a pleasure to speak with you do you have a real feel for how this game's going to unfold Saturday for the noon kickoff and the pre-race or pre-game festivities that are going to take place much sooner than that at Scott Stadium? And I would love to tell you that I do, but, um, I mean, because, you know, you don't typically have people on radio shows when they don't know. I've got no clue, no no, no feel. Um, if Maybe if Tony Musket was a go and, and he hadn't suffered the shoulder injury last week, maybe I might feel differently. But the reality of the situation is such, and you did a, a nice job of describe, describing it just then, like, it's not just the emotion. It's not just, you know, the fact that this is a, a game that I, I think JMU fans have understandably kind of circled uh, since it was announced. And, and I expect there to be a pretty, you know, sizable contingent of, of JMU fans in Scott Stadium Saturday afternoon. But there's also the piece that you don't know who the quarterback's going to be. Now, I think I know. I think it's going to be Anthony Calandria. I think that in the event that Tony Musket plays, it's 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 probably not for his in his best interest nor in the teens, right? For him to rush back and that kind of feels like rushing back. That being said, if they feel like they can give him the green light, if the trainers and doctors and such give him that green light, you know, it is a pain tolerance thing and if if he's able to go, he's able to go. But I do think that you have to be ready if you're Anthony Calandria here because you're going to be called on, right? I think even if, if Musket were to play, the idea that he's going to be able to play the entire game is, is even harder to fathom, right? So, no, I don't I don't think I have a real feel for this. I, I think the, the emotional piece of this, uh, the fact that they're, they're going to do what they're going to do before pregame, uh, I know a lot of fans are very eager to be there for that, to support the guys, to support the, 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 you know, the entire program. Uh, and, and honestly, I think for a lot of folks, they, they feel connected to it, right? These were these were kids that even if they didn't know them directly, they pulled for them. They especially Lavelle being such a kind of a face of the team for so long during that COVID season and a year when fans couldn't come to Scott Stadium, he gave them a reason to be exciting. Um, and so for for his his life to end this way, for their their lives to end this way, I think a lot of fans are just really excited about the opportunity to go and pay their respects, to support the guys, and to show uh, to show the love to the families as well. I think that that entire emotional side of this. I mean, you can, you know, there's lots of different, um, you know, big games, right? And, and we talk a lot about sort of like you got to harness the emotion, you got to be able to channel it, you got to be able to, 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 to figure out a way to, to make it uh, be something that you can kind of control so that you can do what you need to do on the field so that you're, you know, you're not too amped up, you're not too 
your mind's not in other places. I mean, but this is different, right? This is unlike anything any of these players has ever faced. Now, granted, they did have the spring game. They did, they have played. You know, they've practiced in Scott Stevens. It's not like the first time they've been in the place, right? But it's the first time like a real game with actual fans and stakes and that kind of stuff. So, you know, you add all that plus the, you know, the emotion of the uh, of the pregame um, ceremonies and such and the words that will be spoken and the images they'll see and the videos that will be played and the, um, the long-term sort of, um, you know, um, I, I think it's going to be numbers uh, in diamonds on the stadium wall, but, to, you know, unveiling the sort of the memorial, right, for those players. I, I think all of that, and plus the other pieces of the puzzle, really make for a game that, you know, anybody who claims they know <laughs> how this thing's going to go, hey, more power to them, but I'm not going to be among that group, Ed. Oh, I'm not either. I mean, we have to make theoretical projections on our votes of confidence tomorrow, but I've been asked by people at this, and some of them listen on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app or Fastlane Lane where they listen to podcasts, and I've just said stay away from this game if you are a betting person, because I, I have no idea. It could go in any direction, and nothing would surprise me because of that particular point. Yeah, people in Virginia can't bet on this game. Yeah, but I said people listening out of state on oh, the app, could. CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app, or to the podcast. All right. Got it covered. Gotcha. I was going to say, it's not like people might find loopholes in order to bet on this game. That's all I was trying to say. I mean, I'm not encouraging that, although I do think it's ridiculous that you can't bet, considering we've seen other places where you can uh, easily monitor if a player is doing this. And uh, we that's a diatribe for a different time, Brad. But the JMU-Virginia matchup itself, I'm, try, I'm trying to keep this ship straight and keep the car on the road here in the fast lane. So the matchup itself, there are a handful of different angles. Um, The one you brought up, though, and this is obviously the biggest storyline, is everything surrounding the game and the lead-up to it. Um, It's impossible to figure out how anybody will respond because different players and coaches are going to respond differently to everything that happens in the pregame festivities leading up to the race. Tony Elliott used the word compartmentalize this past week. How do he and his coaching staff go about trying to be respectful and mindful of the moment, but also focus on the task at hand, which is you got a team on the other sideline in JMU that, uh, yes, they uh, you would think ha- have a heart for what Virginia is going through, but they also have a job to do, which is to go in and try to beat this team. Yeah, I, I think what, what's good about this, at least in the sense of, um, you know, it, 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 and this might sound a little bit twisted, but walk with me here. The UVA players do have the benefit that the powers that be at UVA know what's going to happen, right? They know who's going to talk. They know the things that are going to happen. So they can, you know, this is not like a surprise, so to speak, right, for the players. So whatever they see, I think they'll be prepared for. Now, they might not necessarily be prepared for how it will feel to stand there, right? But they know how it felt to stand there for the spring game and be on that field. Mike Hollins, for example, knows what it's like to score a touchdown and go over and, and, you know, tap the names, right? Like, I think that piece of it, it doesn't change the calculus, but it is an interesting sort of, you know, um, maybe uh, an angle, right? In the sense that the, the players should know going in what is expected of them, right? They should know, okay, we're going to do, we're going to stand here. You know, there's going to be this and that, and so-and-so is going to speak, and there's going to be some uh, – so they at least go into it with some semblance of, like, an expectation of what they are going to be sort of reacting to, right? Even if they don't actually show it to the players, even if that's – you know, that kind of thing. At least they have a, an idea, right? So they you – know, for lack of a description, they know the play, Okay. 
the, the trick, I guess, is going to be getting through that to the other side, which, you know, Tony talked about this week. Well, look, if those guys didn't think Jamie's pretty good, I told them, right? And I think, you know, you show, you show them the film and you understand the pedigree that's in Harrisonburg. That's a, that's a program that has historically been extremely successful, right? Um, back in, you know, my days uh, at GMU, right? Like, um, you know, they, this, is a, this is a proud program. And they come to Charlottesville, like you said, their hearts, and, and certainly there are so many people that have, uh, have been just, you know, absolutely amazing from the various in-state schools, from the various schools around the country, and Jamie being one of them, you know, in support of, of UVA and sort of support of the players and everybody since last November. That being said, like once the, you know, that ball gets on the tee and that thing goes in the air, you know, all that stuff goes out the window, and that's the way it's supposed to be, right? And I think a lot of the guys will be very happy to play football at home and kind of get through that. I think it, in some ways, despite the, the fact that they had to open on the road against the, you know, an offensive, um, you know, kind of powerhouse with a lot of talent on both sides of the ball, the idea that they were able to play a game away from Scott Stadium to open things up, I think is a good thing for them. Um, now the question is, can you get through the, the early part? Can you get to noon? And get to that ball on the tee, and I, and I do think that in you know again walk with me here. Maybe the fact that they 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 have some injuries that they're dealing with, right? We know Stuart Gunley is out for the season after um, tearing both of his patella tendons after that fumble recovery and just a fluke accident, which is you know so sad for that young man, given all he has done to get to where he you know he was going into the season. And we know about Tony Musket's shoulder. You know there are some guys who may be coming back. Sounds like uh, Jimmy Chris might be in a position where he can play. Sounds like Chico Bennett could be a guy who comes this week. But in some ways, like the, the injury to Musket almost requires the offense to be even more focused, right? And so they've been in practice all week, I would say, with Calandria getting run with the one, where now that there's a different level of focus, right? You're, you're worried about this true freshman who's going to get his first collegiate start in his second collegiate game. Uh, you're trying to do everything you can to help him out. So your focus this week, the amount of film you're watching, the amount of prep you're putting in, is probably heightened a little bit. And maybe that's a um, – a best case scenario, but I do think it's likely because that seems to be the way these guys are. They are a mature bunch. I mean, I will give them that. I mean, I thought, you know, all through camp, what struck me really was that, like, these guys clearly, you know, and we, and we talked about this the last time I was on. This is Tony Ellie's program, right? These are guys who chose to be here. You know, everything that happened last year, they continued to stay the course. They stayed with the program for a reason. And I think this opportunity to honor their fallen teammates and to play for this school, I think is, is something that is important to them. So I, I think this is an opportunity for them to show that. And I think that all week long, you know, you've got to pay that debt so that you can sort of go there on, on Saturday and, and deposit it, right? I think that's just the way this whole thing works. And it's up to them to sort of make the moment uh, be something that they can, you know, perform in. Cavs underscore corner in the Cavs corner podcast are ways you can connect with Brad Franklin, who is with us in the fast lane, looking ahead to JMU at Virginia, a noon kickoff this coming Saturday. And he's doing so here in the fast lane on W226 BG Timberlake, WVGM and Lynchburg, WMNA, Gretna, Danville, Southside, and all across the Virginia talk radio network. You reference your familiarity with the JMU program. And uh, you've touched on that in the Cavs corner podcast a couple of different times as well. What's the attitude from the JMU fan base for a matchup that they've been eagerly anticipating for a handful of years, but all of a sudden takes on a different tone because of the circumstances, tragic as they are, surrounding Virginia football? Yeah, that's a good point. I, I think that for the by and large, I think most JMU fans are sort of, they have a, um, 
you know, for a long time, because of the level that they were at in the SDS, you know, there was definitely a, um, a mantra of they, they wanted to take the step up, right? And I think that was such a clear, um, you know, hope, clear wish, uh, clear directive. You know, they knew, I think, for the longest time that they were very good at that level, but they wanted to test themselves at any FBS. And then you see what they did last year, right? And so I think for a lot of fans, they're, they're still in that, you know, we're, we're earning our respect sort of phase, right? Uh, it reminds me a little bit of VCU basketball, right, in the sense that VCU, you know, had had some good years, I'm not, you know, but then they had that out-of-nowhere run to the Final Four, and they felt like maybe they still had to shock the world a time or two after that, right? And so I kind of feel like a lot of JMU fans, you know, and maybe even those who come to Scott Stadium Saturday, and like I said before, I do think Spectre's going to be a pretty sizable number of them. I think they're going to into this game expecting to win. I, I don't think there's any doubt, especially, you know, Vegas comes out, and I think that what was the opening line, like uh, JMU uh, minus six? Um, I mean, you know, that's a, that's a pretty good number, right? If you're JMU and you're a JMU fan, you're looking to go to this game, man, your confidence level just shot up because, hey, Vegas thinks we're going to win this thing by a touchdown. Um, now, the line has moved a little bit since then. I think it's gone back toward Virginia, maybe a point, point and a half. But the bottom line is the same, which is that, like, fans for JMU come into this, I think, the same way JMU as a program comes into this, which is fully expecting to win. Like, it might be, you know, quote-unquote an upset because, you know, Virginia plays in the Power Five and all that nonsense. But the, the line is a good illustration of just sort of where things are right now. JMU's in a position where – the Dukes, granted, their quarterback situation is a little murky, right? You never want to start a guy and then go to another guy the next week. That's never necessarily a good thing. But the McLeod kid, I think, did some nice things. He's a journeyman. He's got a lot of experience under his belt. Um, so maybe this sort of fits sort of where the program needs – what the program needs from its quarterback, you know, in terms of being able to put him in there. Um, granted, playing Bucknell is not the same thing as playing Tennessee, but that's not the that, – that, that, that ultimately doesn't matter, right? What matters is – can Virginia um, do you know play play more efficiently uh, than the Cavaliers did last week? I thought third down they weren't necessarily near as good as they needed to be to, to win that game. And I, frankly, I don't think they were as good on third down against Tennessee as they'll need to be to win this game. Right? I think they've got to be more efficient. Whether it's Musket or Kalander, and like I said before, I fully expect to be Kalander. You've got to be able to stay on the field. You know, you've got to be able to get to the quarterback. That was something they just did not do against Tennessee. They got to get to McLeod. The more you can make. Uh, Coach Signetti trying to figure out whether he needs to go between quarterbacks. That's probably good news for UVA, right? Uh, but the Dukes have a lot of experience back from that team last year. Like I said, they, they did a really nice job in its first year. Uh, and I think fans who are, you know, who are pulling for this team, they're certainly coming to Charlottesville. They're going to watch this game on ESPNU expecting their team to win. And I, and I know, <laughs> I know a great many of them. And, uh, <laughs> They're, they're all kind of speaking in one voice, which is uh, one of confidence, I think, and one of, um, you know, expectation that it might be a tough one, um, but they fully expect their team to figure it out and, and get that W. Do you think there's hostility toward Virginia fans in the normal rivalry way, or is it different for Saturday? I think it's probably different, although, I, you know, Jamie and UVA just haven't necessarily played as much. It's not like, you know, it's, it's not like other in-state stuff. You know, you, you might have, I, I, you know, some, some hit, you know, here and there, like a little barbs and such. Like, I don't think anybody really sort of takes shots between the two. That being said, I do think that the circumstances of Saturday kind of change the equation. Um, I, I know my, my, my co-hosts on the podcast were a little concerned uh, about the idea of some, some Jamie folks uh, coming to the game and um, maybe, maybe being uh, very confident in what that might look like in the stands and all that fun stuff. But oh, no, I think ultimately like, these, are not two, these are not two schools that seem to like, not get along. 
Um, I, I feel like I'm, you know, having been Jamie Grant, who's run a UVA website for a decade, and my sister went to UVA, and uh, I've certainly been around UVA sports for a long, long time. Um, they sort of exist in different worlds. Maybe that changes now that, that Jamie's uh, FBS, and certainly when, when um, you know, on the basketball side of things, when Jamie got that win a couple years ago, you know, there was that was a pretty substantial uh, moment for them, right? So I, I do think that there's still a there's still a little bit of the hey, look, these are the bigger, you know, Virginia Virginia Tech are the two in-state um, Power Five schools. You know, whether it's JMU or ODU or heck Richmond, William Mary, they want to win. They want to win those games. Like those are big moments, big opportunities. I think for Virginia, the inverse is true, which is like Virginia can't lose this game. Like I, I don't, I don't want to put too fine a point on it, but from a recruiting standpoint, from a um, from a totality of circumstances sort of standpoint, right? The vibe, you know, vibes are big these days, right? That you can't lose this game if you're trying to sort of rebuild. And certainly, you given what is coming this the rest of the season, they got to go to College Park. They got, you know, there's a lot of, you know, um, you know, Duke looks a lot better than we thought they were going to be. Um, that kind of stuff. I mean, the season you don't want it to get away from you this early. This is one I think Virginia's got to figure out a way to win. And I think a lot of that's going to come down to being able to get after the quarterback. Um, whether Chico Bennett plays or not, I think they got to be able to run the football, help Anthony Calandra out. And I also think that, you know, in terms of the, um, the offensive structure, they got to do a much better job in the red zone. There were a couple of red zone trips that they had in Nashville that, again, I understand that Tennessee has, what, 45, 50, four, five star kids on their team, right? But I, you still got to figure out ways to, to execute at a higher level. And I think the play calls have to be better. I think you have to be more aggressive. You can't sit back in this game and just wait. For, for opportunities to come, you've got to make those opportunities. I think that's got to be a big focal point for Virginia on both sides of the ball. Well, and frankly, you're being irresponsible if you just blame it on the talent gap, which is obvious, but also don't look at ways you can be better and ways you can correct yourself uh, if you're Virginia. In the meantime, better, it's always better. When we get the insight from Brad Franklin at CavsCorner.com, at Cavs underscore corner on Twitter and the Cavs Corner podcast, as he's with us here in the Fast Lane today. Brad, thank you for your time and your perspective, especially is a JMU guy lending that to us today. We appreciate it, and uh, we'll see you Saturday up at Scott Stadium. Sounds good. Take care, bud. Brad Franklin with us here in the Fast Lane. If you want to keep up with us, Trey Lyle VT, his socials, Fast Lane Ed Lane, where you listen to podcasts and Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Tomorrow afternoon, 5 to 6, high school football, New Mexico State Liberty, and yes, our votes of confidence. We will extend it to the NFL because you've asked, and somehow you want to hear about that. Trey, do you have a pick tonight beforehand? No, Travis Kelsey. I'm still riding with 15 and Andy Reid. I like Kansas City to win. The spread, I think it's dipped down to four, four which I actually, yeah, four. I actually think there's now at the buyback value on Kansas City um, from six and a half to seven, all the way down to four. Kelsey's big, no Chris Jones, uh, although that had been baked into the line a little bit sooner. I think you're kind of at a low point on Kansas City, and it might be worth considering that. Knowing my luck, it'll be you know 34-30, and it'll be the final score that way. Anyway, tomorrow afternoon, we'll recap it all and mostly look ahead to the weekend on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app in the fast lane. Now it's Late, but better late than never. Time to go live to the Zach Gelb Show.